the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I are out on location, but also interviewing the very interesting guests that we often get to the show. And I can see we've got a very interesting one that I happen to know a lot about with us tonight. Larry, who do we have? Yes, Wendy, we have State Senator Brian Dolly. He's the leading Republican candidate for the 2022 election for California state governor. He has been endorsed by the California GOP, the first gubernatorial candidate to get an endorsement from the party in over 10 years. Senator Dolly is a business owner, a family farmer, husband and father. During his time in the state legislature, Senator Dolly has been dedicated to bringing bounce back to the state of California. Welcome to the show, Senator. Well, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Hey, you know, uh, one thing I want to ask you, Brian, is I understand, and you can tell me if this is correct, that besides taking on all the responsibilities of being a California senator and running a campaign to become California's next governor, that you continue to operate your family farm and seed business <laughs> back home in Bieber, California, with your wife and three children. How do you manage to do all that? I think you need to give a, a multitasking lesson to the rest of us. Well, first off, let me give you a little history about the Dally family. In, in 1929, during the Great Depression, my grandfather actually came to California looking for a job. Um, he was a World War I veteran, and he ended up in Siskiyou County. It's the uh, northern, the most northern county in the state. And uh, they were given out land grants uh, because he was a veteran. He put his name in a pickle jar. They drew it out, and he got an 80-acre homestead in Tule Lake, California. So we've been farming in California for 92 years. I'm the third generation. Um, we have a farm in Lassen County, which, which is where Bieber's at, that's 75 miles um, south of the original homestead. Uh, we are seed farmers. We raise cereal grains for seed, um, and we're 95% certified organic. So we've uh, been doing seed for a long time. I'm also, uh, uh, I was elected to the Lassen County Board of Supervisors. I served there 16 years, and then I've been 10 years in the legislature, six uh, years in the state assembly. I was the minority Republican leader in the assembly. And then I, I moved on to the Senate. I'm in the Senate now and serving right now and running for governor. My wife also is elected. She took my place in the assembly. So um, we're uh, involved in our state and uh, we just want to see some change and, and some balance brought back to uh, California. 
That's amazing. What do you see as the three biggest problems facing Californians today? And if elected governor, how would you fix these problems? Well, the top three things that are facing Californians today, number one is crime. Number two is the cost of living. And number three is homelessness. And, and I'd say homelessness and uh, our quality of education is, is probably in the, those are the top four things I'm going to be focused on uh, during this uh, campaign. Uh, if you're a, a wage earner, a hourly wage earner, or you're on a fixed income, you're having a tough time in California right now because of cost of living. Uh, we have uh, the highest uh, poverty rate in the nation and the highest taxes at the same time. So um, our electric our electricity rates are 60% higher than the average in the nation. And on our gasoline is a dollar and a half a gallon higher than other states. And that's what's driving up the cost of living in California. And it's the policies that come out of Sacramento that uh, are, are really uh, driving the, the force behind why Californians are, are fleeing the state. Um, I'm not going to leave. I don't want to leave. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, you can't pick your land up and move it. And I don't want to. California is a great state. Um, God laid it out in a way that you can't explain. I mean, this, the storms come off the Pacific. It collects snow in the, in the Sierras. We have fertile soils. We have the right climate. We have um, our ports. We have everything to make a wonderful state. We just have some people running it that don't understand. Um, we need balance in California, and that's quite frankly why I'm running for, for uh, governor. Oh, great. Thanks. You know, Brian, I think that uh, you, you're really um, hitting on a bipartisan issue. I mean, Democrats drive and dine, too. I mean, we're all sort of feeling the pain together, especially, as you mentioned, in California. I hear people across the country saying, oh, we're almost up to $5 a gallon. And I'm thinking, gosh, I remember when gas was as cheap as $5 a gallon. It wasn't any time recently. But because Southern California also faces unprecedented water use restrictions, I mean, as we have these water shortage emergencies being declared. I mean, do we have a significant water shortage in California? And if so, I'm sure you've been asked this before, what would you propose we do to fix that problem? Well, first you should know, uh, farmers pay really close attention to water. And um, I've been a farmer my whole life. And uh, number one, uh, California has great infrastructure, but we haven't built any infrastructure um, for since the 60s. Uh, Orville Dam was the last real uh, water storage project that California took on, but our population has doubled. And so we've done a lot of good things in conservation, but what we really need to do is we need to build more storage. Um, We need to thin our forest. Most people don't understand that the forest is overgrown and it's taking up water and it's burning, which is destroying our um, watershed. And that's where the, what fills up those reservoirs. So, um, we can con- do c- conservation, but we've done a lot of conservation, but we need more water. And there's plenty of it. Um, you probably aren't aware, but in 2017, the last two months of 2017 and the first three months of 2018, which is not that long ago, was the wettest year recorded in the history of keeping records in California. You might recall the Orville Dam, uh, which was in my district. The spillway broke and we were, we were dealing with that. Um, but we need to manage our water in a different way. Those, those reservoirs were built for flood control, and we need to use them for now, um, to obviously, to take care of the environment, take care of the farms, and take care of municipalities. That's the people that need the water. There's plenty of water. Most of it goes to the ocean, and we just need to do a better job of managing it. A con- uh, continual decrease in investment in education and an outdated approach to teaching have made California, under some people's opinion, the least educated state in America. 
if elected, what will you do to reverse that trend as far as we're scoring lower on test scores and we're not turning out people that can read and become engineers? Well, number one, you should know that we have a lot of great teachers in our state, but we have a bureaucracy at the top. Uh, Gavin Newsom's owned by the teachers union. We've seen nothing but uh, them uh, control what his outcomes for uh, our education system is. And, and I don't know if you're aware, but 27,000 students left L.A. Unified School District last year. Uh, they didn't leave uh, the state. They just left the system because parents have had enough. They want their kids to be taught the ABCs and, 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 and they, want, they want to, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic. They don't want all this social agenda stuff that's happening uh, through our system. So for me, I would uh, empower school boards, give, take the money from the, at this top and put it down to the school board. School boards will make the right decisions for their students. And we need, to, we need less power at, in Sacramento and more power uh, for local schools and school boards. And that's what we do. And the other thing we need to do is we need to have competition. We should have the ability to let the money follow the student. So the parent can pick which school they want to go to, and then the money follows that school. Once we have that, we'll have competition, and our test scores will go up because parents always do the right thing for their children. I have three of them, uh, children, and we uh, trust me, I'm watching what they're learning and I'm engaged in what their um, outcomes because, because we know that, that kids that are educated do better in life and they're least burden on our government. You know, when you talk about competition in schools, you know, it's also true in the workforce. Um, Given the bipartisan belt tightening that we've all been uh, experiencing, um, it is true that unemployment is remarkably low. But I was just wondering how much do you think that's due to COVID complications? Because, I mean, let's face it, we all care about both health and wealth. Um, Do you have a particular plan? I know we're almost to the end, uh, almost to the break, but maybe some kind of a plan to sort of balance those two competing equities, both of which are important to everybody. Look, I'm an employer and I've had a very difficult time re- retaining employees. We have some wonderful employees that work for us for years. Uh, we pay a good wage uh, and that's what we need. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, um, we need to not put everybody in the same bucket. Look, there's a lot of folks that need to learn trades. There's some folks that need to go to school uh, or to, uh, to higher education. And so those are the things that I want to target. We have, we have a very strong need for people who know how to weld and work with their hands. And we have a need for people who are in the technical industry as well. And we can put them into trade schools and they can become uh, educated and, re- and in the process be able to learn. And I think that's what we need to focus on is putting people in areas where they can s- support their families. That's really what education is about. So you can support your families and, and live the, the California dream. And that's just what I'll do. Why do you think crime is such a problem? Is it does it involve the district attorneys that are letting these people out or giving them light sentences? It seems like it is out of control in the big cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles. And what would you do to fix that? Well, first off, I would appoint the governor gets the ability to appoint the parole board. And I would remove the parole board that Gavin Newsom has in place. They are letting out criminals before their sentences are due. I will be tough on crime. And yeah, we need we need a strong attorney general, but we also need uh, we need to put people, violent criminals back in prison. They, the shooting in Sacramento, which was close to the Capitol, was a block and a half from the Capitol. Uh, those people were let out of jail early, and we need to put those people back in jail. Then They're not ready to get out on our streets. And the victims of these folks uh, that are just getting repeated criminals, we have also Proposition 47. We need to repeal that. Uh, there's a lot of bad uh, language in that. Do you know that you can rape an unconscious woman, and it's not a violent crime in California? So uh, most people don't know that. 
uh, because Proposition 47 was Safe Schools and Neighborhood Parks Act. But in that was, uh, and people voted for that. They thought, yeah, I want my school, schools to be safe. And they were sold something uh, that isn't true. It's it's really a violent criminals being let out of jail. And we need to we need to punish them, quite frankly, and put them back in jail. And we are getting a little short in time. If people want to support your campaign, how, what's the best way to do that? So you can go to briandally.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-D-A-H-L-E.com. Uh, I'm on all social media platforms. You can follow me, like me, and push out my information. Uh, we have a docu-series. You can go on and watch in, in the media part of my uh, website and watch uh, some get some history about my family and what's happening in California and what I've been doing uh, quite frankly for the last 25 years I really appreciate you having me on your program look forward to uh, doing this again uh, thank you very much for joining us and to our listeners please stick with us we're going to take a short commercial break you are listening to today with Dr. Wendy don't touch that dial we will be back in a flash news cycle lowlights have no place here you're listening to the headline highlights on today with Dr. Wendy on on the answer san diego it's time for more news you can use the headlines streamline it's time for more today with dr wendy now here's your host dr wendy patrick welcome back to today with dr wendy i'm wendy patrick and my co-host larry dersham and i have a very interesting second half for you now it's always interesting we hope um but it's particularly interesting for larry and i because we're actually broadcasting live tonight from CrimeCon in las vegas and part of what we do here and at least part of what larry and i both care about is solving unsolved crime you know everybody cares about making sure that victims get closure that that cases get resolved i mean it's especially cold cases that have been around for a very long time. Um, Warming up cold cases often involves not only forensics, which of course have greatly improved over the years, but also good old fashioned detective work, talking to people, interpersonal uh, relationships, the kinds of things that, that memories are made of, you know, people may not be able to, to discern or understand, you know, the, the deterioration of a body part or a, you know, a fingerprint on the bottom of the ocean, like on CSI, but you do, you know when you see or notice something that seems out of place. Sometimes we remember those details that just don't fit for years after the fact. So Larry and I were actually, you know, looking at one particular case that has to do with a a young woman named Melissa who just went missing. She was married and had two young kids and just went missing. She was working double shifts at Waffle House. This is in Georgia. And it's just one of those cases where while her body was found in bits and pieces over the years, um, there isn't currently a suspect. And it really draws attention to this is why we talk about these kinds of things is sometimes publicizing details creates the kind of interest in keeping a safe community and in bringing resolution to victims that people tend to remember things. Totally. Uh, What's so interesting about this, it's a case that is currently being looked at. It's considered, I believe, Wendy, a cold case because they kind of ran into dead ends, the detectives and investigators on this. Literally, Melissa, she last spoke to her mother on November 26, 1998, uh, just around Thanksgiving. And that sounds a long time ago, and it was. But it's just it's such an interesting history about her. And they expected her to call in and say, welcome, uh, 
her parents regarding Christmas and so forth that when she didn't call, Melissa didn't call her mother for her birthday, then her mother became very concerned and she started to look for her daughter, Melissa, uh, with not much luck. Well, what happened next? Well, what's interesting about what Larry just chronicled there is can you imagine, okay, let's say you have grown children, they're out of the house and you don't get a phone call at least for Christmas, for Thanksgiving, for for your birthday. I mean, if that wouldn't raise a red flag, I don't know what would. And I'm talking even if for people that have maybe children that are estranged. So what really made a difference here in this case is maybe it's one thing to, you know, leave somebody a message and a couple of days goes by and you don't get a call back. But when it's been more than a day, I mean, most of the people I know, they would have like been calling around the hospitals, called the police station. But this particular case, the last time the parents spoke with their daughter, Melissa, it was on Thanksgiving. And the conversation was surrounding what Melissa wanted for Christmas. And it was a very sentimental gift of a photograph of she and her grandfather. And then she doesn't show up for Christmas. I mean, this is like strikes fear into anybody who even listens to this story. Uh, and that, you know, it wouldn't even matter how far away the child lived. You have reservations, you have, you know, plans to get together for a family around the holidays. Right away, they knew something was terribly wrong. And they w- went to looking for their daughter and where they last lived and they had totally moved out the husband and they they had two children two beautiful very young children and when they asked the neighbors have you seen my daughter her husband and the family said well oh yeah they just moved out and so it was was another dead end in this mystery and then uh, unfortunately a UPS driver found a bag with a uh, skeletal remains, a severed head. And then in June, about uh, three months later, they found uh, mutilated limbs where she had been uh, dismembered and so forth. And so they didn't put that, they didn't connect that to Melissa, though, because they didn't have any DNA evidence. And it wasn't until January of 2020 that the parents actually report, did a missing person report on their daughter. Yeah, you know, we don't want to, the reason we don't mean to just like give you facts and circumstances that are um, just so disturbing for no reason at all. The reason is, you know, part of what we're discussing out here at CrimeCon is the the cooperation, the collaboration, the citizen patrol, the feet on the street, the people that actually see the kinds of clues that help solve crime. I mean, a missing child is every parent's worst nightmare. They look around and everybody's a suspect. They don't know whether it's somebody that was, you know, somebody passing through town or or a spouse or somebody, a co-worker, somebody that had a, a crush on the, the daughter or the son. I mean, nobody vanishes into thin air. Not only are there cameras everywhere nowadays, this Melissa vanished in 1998 where there were less cameras, but guess what? People were probably even more attentive, I would make the argument, because we weren't tied to our iPhones back then. We actually were looking and listening and paying attention. And, you know, there are so many Melissas out there. Um, There are so many Melissas that go missing, and sometimes their cases don't receive a lot of attention. But, you know, when they do, it's amazing. People really rally together and try to help these families locate their loved ones. And what's so interesting, too, Wendy, is that the husband never reported his wife as being missing. And when questioned, he said, well, I just thought she picked up and left for California. And so he didn't file a missing person report, but they found the remains of Melissa 
across the street from where he was fired. And that was a... Um, the same tools that were used in that business were used uh, apparently in this. So this case is still pending, believe it or not. It's still very much alive, and that's why we wanted to bring it to you. Uh, it's just a fascinating story. You know, it's just a, we bring it to you just as an example of so many people out there that, you know, worry that trails have gone cold. And thank God there are so many talented, caring investigators behind the scenes that continue uh, to work these cases. And that's a lot of what we're talking about out here is that's kind of the silver lining that these investigations are continuing and now and then we make a break in the case wherever in the country it occurs and we are actually able to follow up on some of those trails um so Larry, I understand you have another interesting uh, topic on your docket. Right. It's part of my series, And You Shall Know. And you read in the Bible, Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 and 8, where they talk about you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. I don't know. Anybody heard about that war called Ukraine? And one nation shall rise against nation. There will be famines and pestilences, COVID-19, and earthquakes in many places. And what is interesting, folks, I want to focus in on the famines. There is a pattern of fire striking food facilities across the United States that suggests that arson teams are targeting food facilities for destruction. And these are large, huge facilities, too. They're not just small facilities. And there's been basically four a month, and I've got them all listed here. I won't read them on the air, but you can find them. There were four major fires and four separate food facilities, uh, food processing plants in January. There were three major fires in February, and there were four major fires in March of this year, and four major fires, five major fires this month in major food processing facilities. Those are the facilities, folks, that package the food that you buy on the grocery store. And if this theory is confirmed, it suggests there might be a possibility that there's going to be an engineered food shortage. And I'm not going to panic anybody. I don't want you to be panicked. But also Union Pacific Railroad, which is largely owned by a huge investment firm, BlackRock and Vanguard, is basically uh, they're rationing the number of cars that can carry fertilizer to the farmers. If you don't have fertilizer on the farm, you can't grow your crops, uh, your crops, excuse me. And so I'm just saying that we all need to be cautious. We all need to make plans to take care of our family, just be very rational about it, and just keep an eye on the news and see what's happening, because I think it's a little bit of a concerning trend. Yeah, you know, um, I'll bring the silver lining into this is that there actually are some stores where prices are still reasonable. And I'm, I'm even going to toss Walmart in there. I mean, it's not yeah. everything that has gone up $3 since last year. There actually are a fair amount of sales and rollbacks. And there's a, there's a lot of places where you can actually stock up on what you need just in case we actually do see some of these uh, predictions come to fruition. I mean, we, there's already been talk of a recession. We're already feeling the pain at the pump. You know, we've tightened our belts in so many different ways. Uh, if you can find things with, with long expiration dates, go out and buy them. So 
Um, thank you so much for, we really hit a lot of interesting topics tonight, but this has been another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host and Larry Dershman and I reporting to you from On Location. We wish you a wonderful week and we look forward to having you join us next week. Have a blessed week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.